This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Welcome to hour two of Kelly and Ramia. I'm Ramia Amadin. Kelly McDonald hanging out here. And we want to tell you about something going on March 17th. Put it in your calendars if you're in Calgary. And of course, reach out to us to tell you television audience ami's original series by hook or by cook is filming two exciting very fun episodes on that friday march 17th and you're invited to participate so the day includes things like taking your picture or having your picture taken while you walk that red carpet refreshments meet and greet with bruce cook and other cast members a gift bag valued at 75 dollars and meeting Dave Brown. He's hosting these two episodes, so you can hang out with Dave. As I said, if you're interested, if you're excited about it, you want more information, or you just want to sign up, you can email info at ami.ca, and they will give you even more of the details that you need to know. I think it's a very exciting idea, and I really think you should take part for all those reasons that I mentioned. Now, let's get into our community report. So, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, we have a community reporter joining us to kick off the second hour of the show. And today, we're checking in with Kim Thistle, who's giving us news and happenings and events in St. John's, Newfoundland. Kim, hello. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Excellent, I'm doing good. Froze the death down here. Mine is... Oh, my. <laughs> oh, Whoa. I know. You don't go out with any bare skin, like bundle up, bundle up. Mm-hmm. It's very cold. Frostbite yeah. season, seriously. Yeah. But uh, yeah. to keep us off that chart and on some exciting things, you are going to start oh. with uh, the Coast 101.1 celebration of 19 years with the show. They're going to feature Billy and the Bruisers and other guests. Tell us more about this. Well, um, Coast 101 is a local, you know, music station here. One of my favorites, you know, they played it, they, they, the music from the 70s, 80s and 90s. Bill and Carolyn are hosting this. And I love the idea that the, pro- the net proceeds goes to Bell to Bells with Balls, Ovarian Cancer Research. So, mm. I mean, a very worthy cause. The tickets are a good price, $25 if you buy them, you know, previous, prior to the show and $30 at the door. And the Bella Vista is some, I want to say it's accessible, but I, I need a sighted guide when I go in there because it is a level entry, you know, the park in the parking lot, you come in through the doors, but they have different ramps throughout the Bella Vista, but a very big space. They usually have little tables set up around. I'm going this Saturday night with my friends. So I'm really excited about going and doing it. Billy and the Bruisers, Judith Morrissey, um, the Dana Parsons Project and the Roadside Attraction. I mean, what? Like four different bands. Like, what yeah. else could you ask for? On a, on a chilly March evening, get out and dance and shake your booty. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking forward to that. And they, they are on the year 19. Bill and Carolyn, they're very funny. So it's going to be a fun evening to get out. It and sounds like it. And for a good cause, too. The doors open at mm-hmm. uh, 7 and it starts at 8.30. So okay. get yourself a seat. So $25, not much. Uh, great cause, as you said. And do you know how big this event is usually, like past years or just the um, traction for this kind of fundraising? For this? Well, I've never gone before. I don't know why. I'm oh. surprised I haven't. But um, my friend sent me the information. I said, yes, let's go. And 
And I would think, I mean, 19 years, they, you know, celebrating the thing. I'm not sure if this is an ongoing event. It probably mm-hmm. has been for the past few years, but I'm assuming I, I, I shouldn't assume anything. I don't know if they pick the bells with balls every year or do they pick a different nonprofit that right. they support. But the bottom line is that all these groups coming in, I mean, they are phenomenal performers. And Billy and the Bruisers are headlining. And they play a bit of everything. And you think that you're you're seeing the true band in concert, that type of thing. Oh, nice. Like, it's going to be a good rocking night. I mean, my whole theme this next this month is music and fun and, and getting out and dancing. Good. I was going to uh, say live music for dancing is the best, right? It and is. It's absolute. Yeah. And they have such a lineup. Hmm. I love the price. That's what I think is great. Your price, the amount of talent. Wow. You, you can't ask for more. And like you said, uh, to get out there, uh, you know, and have some fun. Uh, if you're, you know, you're, you're ready. Hey, people have been sitting around. This is the kind of thing where you can go out and have that bunch of people that you're close to, you're okay with. Socialize, and- yeah. Have yeah. some fun and hear some wonderful music. Um, of course, we'll put it up on the blog. Watch out St. John's for a group of girlfriends yeah. getting together. Watch mm-hmm. out for it. That's awesome. Uh, we'll put it up on the blog, ami.ca slash Kelly Co. Uh, your second item, we've got to also keep in mind St. Patrick's Day is coming up. Uh, so this is dinner and dance that you want to discuss with us. Yes. Um, now, like you said, it is St. Patrick's Day coming up. You know mm-hmm. how Newfoundlanders, we love, you know, St. Patrick's Day. And we have many clubs. we got Aaron's Pub. we got Shamrock City. I mean, we have many different clubs, pubs that are named at, you know, like Irish Pub. So we all know that that's going to be happening that weekend of the 17th, 18th, 19th. But this is another event that, you know, maybe you don't want to wait till the 17th for Patty's Day. It's some matchless men. They've been together for 20 years. They are great band they play irish newfoundland music and there's a lot of clapping hands and a lot of good music um a dinner 60 dollars per person so i think that's pretty reasonable like you're getting a you know i think it's a chicken dinner and you're getting oh, nice. your entertainment and a chance to dance so i think it's a great it's saturday march 11th at the, the royal canadian legion that is an accessible building from what i can remember you come in and then you walk up the stairs and then that whole main level. And I could be incorrect because I know there's two different parts of the, the Canadian Legion, or it could be the other part that's just completely accessible and on the level. So always a good time. I mean, if you get out and listen to good Irish Newfoundland music, mm-hmm. it's a good night and it's a great band. Well, and we, we know that from you know everything you hear in Canada, when we think about St. Patrick's Day, this time of the year, you know yes. your music from down there, over there, yeah. out there. What are we supposed to say? Out, you know, out on the aisle. The rock is, is going to be a part. <laughs> it's going to be part of how the rest of us celebrate. It's really tremendous, Kim. And you talk about an, um, an influence on the rest of Canada, and and it's totally what it's all about. And and I think that. Well, I know that I can imagine you guys in March just have a great old time with all this. Look at the lineup you've given us so far of, of great events. Yeah. It is going to be, yeah. You need to fly down. Maybe you need to do a show during St. Patrick's weekend or St. Patty's Day weekend. I'm missing St. Well, John's so much. And it's its own feel. You guys have taken it and do what you do there where we can sit here and be posers over the rest mm. of the country trying to pass off St. Patrick's, but uh, there you're doing it right. You're doing always. it, yeah. And you're yeah. starting early the 11th, of course, because there's I so know. much else going on. you got to get I it know. in. There's so you much partying. You'll be dancing and drinking all month of March. Yeah. <laughs> the whole month. Of, oh, is, is that why you picked this month for your dance? Oh, anyway, I, I digress. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course that's why. Exactly. Oh, you need I, to get out. You need to live. 
remember. Kim, if the last two items haven't caught people's attention, this one definitely will. So this mm -hmm. is the Bridges to Hope Songwriter Circle Benefit Concert, and it's hosted by Alan Doyle. How exciting. It is, and that's what I, I you know, Alan Doyle, I had to read my little note. They're 12-time Juno nominated. And the Songwriter Circle, Kelly McMichael, she's Songwriter of the Year, Music NL. Nick Earl, Rock Artist of the Year, Music NL. Rachel Cope. Rachel Cousin, Solar Artist of the Year. So if you don't mind, I will read. I love how they wrote that. They can say it better than I can. This is an intimate showcase demonstrating the powerful role that songwriting plays in music. Guests will experience rare collaborations amongst Music NL's award-winning artists, opening their hearts and sharing personal stories about the inspiration and process behind their favorite song. So, I mean, that sounds like... And it's hosted at Gower Street United Church. Beautiful Q6 down there. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. venue. Lots of space. Uh, I think, yeah, again, I'm remembering going in is all on the level and, you know, sit in the pew. But I think the, the intimacy, like, you know, you know, what inspired you to perform that song? Fabulous cause. Bridges for Hope is a nonprofit here in Newfoundland, Labrador for um, food insecurity, poverty. They do, um, you know, school back, school backpacks. They do Christmas hampers. They do neighborhood help. So really, really good cause. So if you love music, I think this is a phenomenal venue to get out and hear stories. And Alan Doral, I mean, he's a phenomenal entertainer. Right. I don't know if he's going to step in on this. But I mean, you listening to him talk, he always had stories and he has a way of drawing people out. Yes. So I think it would be a great evening. Well, it sounds like, I mean, straight from the get-go, because it's songwriting that they're really celebrating and recognizing that this is going to be a very intimate event. Uh, the ticket price is 35 bucks. I mean, that's not even that that expensive mm -hmm. for this kind of an experience. And you mentioned the acoustics, which is so great, because I love hearing about the venues that people pick for musical yes. events. I know. It seems so odd, doesn't it? But I've gone down there a few times, and it really, you know, is, is known as a great, you know, a good spot to go. Mm -hmm. for this and I think it's going to be a great idea and, and like I said it's on um, it's from 7 to 9 on Thursday March 16th so okay another night to get out exactly ah. Yeah, I, I love the idea and the opportunity there, right? The opportunity for people to get a part of this, to have some, you know, the credibility of people, the beautiful, yeah. the beautiful venue and say, talks about just take it serious. Have fun with it. Yeah. And there's so much more I can tell you about that's happening. I don't even know if I got enough time. I didn't even write it down. There's a free one happening at the the, the rooms in March. There's a free concert. Oh. And that's with, that's with um, Tara Bruce Productions. And they're a phenomenal group, theater group. And they're going to be doing a free concert of Irish music. So um, I didn't even put that in my event. I was just, there's so much to choose from the next one. I know. The community is very active right now, right? Like, mm -hmm. It sounds great. It is good because you know how we've all struggled during COVID and then, you know, we did it live on, you know, Zoom and paid it, paid to watch the performers, but to be able to get out now and, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it's all about that for us to enjoy, but artists, yeah. they're just starving for it. And the pocketbook is saying, hey, help, help out. But mostly everybody, that's what you do as an artist. You love to spread the enjoyment. People love it. You love to share your work. And you miss it when it's not there. So and I'm the door is off. You need everyone. live venue, wouldn't you? Like you, like oh, you thrive yeah. oh, with live yeah. venue. I would assume. Yes. Gosh, live music is something that I've just missed so dearly. There's nothing like it. So, uh, Kim, thank you so much. 
Oh, thank you for having me. See you next month. Take See care. you next month. She's going to debrief after attending all of these wonderful events. That's what she's going to she do. If she wakes up. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. In <laughs> time for the community report. That's right. She missed it because... Yeah. Too much dancing. She had to recover. <laughs> Kim Thistle joining us from St. John's, Newfoundland for her community report. You can go to ami.ca slash kellyco for the blog. That's where we've put up all the information. And come uh, tomorrow for the next community report because it's a Wednesday. After the break, we have woodworking with Jeff Thompson. He's going to dig into how his shop came to be, his wood shop, and it all started with a candy dispenser. We'll learn more about that after the break. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Catch the Pulse this Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, 10.30 a.m. Pacific, and that's with your host, Joita Gupta. Joita is speaking with uh, Liza, Liza Arneson, okay, and she's a founder and chair of O'Shea Community Foundation for Black Canadians with Disabilities. And they're speaking about the advocacy aspect and perspective of being black and disabled in Canada today. And that's on The Pulse this Thursday at 1.30 p.m. And if you miss it, you can, of course, check out the podcast or go to YouTube for their video podcast. And a new episode drops weekly. I'm Ramya Amuthan here with Kelly McDonald, and you're tuned into Kelly and Ramya. You know, it's interesting because Kevin Shaw comes on the program. We've been talking about entrepreneurship. But one of the key things we talk about is how you get started in everything, whether it's the lemonade stand you started as a kid, a hobby, whether it's uh, like we were talking with Kim, musicians getting out there. How do you start getting your name out there, getting known? But mostly anything to do with a hobby. Where? Do you pick it up? Mm -hmm. Where do you start when it comes to a business? Well, we're going to talk to Jeff Thompson and find out how he kind of got started into his world of woodworking. Let's welcome in our woodworker, Jeff Thompson. Hi, I'm Jeff Thompson. Let's talk wood. Practical woodworking from a blindness perspective. It's not, can I do it? It's, how can I do it? Now let's get started. I think on your doorbell, you must have settled back, and one of the first projects you did when it came to us getting to television was built your own set of bongos. Nice. <laughs> I love it. That would be uh, awesome. That would be amazing. Uh, welcome, pal. Nice to have you back. How's uh, Well, I know we weren't going to get into this with Kim when she started mentioning minus uh, 30 wind chill Celsius-wise uh, out there. What, uh, what's your weather like? It's pretty nice today. We're up in about 35. I even had a fly flying around in the shop today. That's oh a sign. Oh, that's warm. Rum, he had his winter coat on, too, and he was out checking things uh. out. <laughs> you know why he was there? Because he's after the candy in your candy dispenser. <clears throat> the project that actually started you out doing a lot of your woodworking and getting the shop together because it built the shop, more or less. Tell us this story, because I, I'm not really sure exactly what this means. Uh, candy dispenser? Well, I was teaching students, and I needed a project, an introductory project, so that I could get students to each of the machines. And instead of just going to the machine and explaining how they work, wouldn't it be fun that by the time they learned the machines, they would have something that they could put together? 
And so I started with a candy dispenser, a large one, which is, you know, a, a big, it, it's not the diet plan. You can get <laughs> quite a bit out of that, the larger ones. But I started with a smaller one, and that's something you would set on your desk. Right. And it has a wheel on it that you can spin and slowly, like a little trough, a circle or trough, and you can just pick two or three up. So if someone comes by at your desk, they can spin it, grab two or three, and say, you know, see you later or something like that. But this project right here is basically three boards stacked on top of each other, the middle one having a half cutout, and the top one having a cutout for a mason jar, which nice. is what people use, and they're handy. And you glue the lid right in there, so when you take it off, you can screw it right back in. And it's a simple project to get you to the table saw, the cross-cut miter chop saw, the Hitachi, um, the drill press, and the, you know, the, the router to round it off, and then the finishing work. And you have something you can bring home, and students and parents and everybody enjoy it. And, you know, it's, did you make this? Mm -hmm. you yeah, know? of course. But, but I, I kind of want to know, and again, probably a fairly easy answer, but I'm sitting here as you listed off the machinery, the stuff in, you know, in the shop. I want to show these kids. I want to get to each of these machines. How did you settle on this particular? Did it come to mind to you, or were you doing some research, or did someone say, hey, make the candy dispenser? What are you talking about? Well. Oh, at first I started out, the Amish built something to this large one. It's a very six, seven inches tall, then the jar up on top of it. Wow. And um, I wanted to get it for my mom for Mother's Day. So I bought it, but I had my click ruler with me, and I wrote down all the dimensions. Obviously, mine turned out different than the Amish because I didn't have it with me to sample it. But mm -hmm. by doing it, I was able to get all the parts individually made, figuring it out, and then putting it in an order that people would be able to figure out how to do it mm -hmm. like like the top this is the top that screws onto the body and it's about five by six inches and then it has a big circle hole that'll fit the jar lid mm -hmm. right so you know, since i had a lot of students i had to make quite a bit so i had a large piece of wood and we would rip it to the size that we wanted then chop saw cut it this size and then drill through to get the hole and then router it. And that's just one part of the whole project. So, but it got you around to all the machines. So you got a bit of knowledge of it. So people would make the small one and some people decided for the large project to make the large machine. And at home, it told me that this project, I could build almost anything from these processes. So I got mm. myself a table saw, I got myself the chop saw, miter saw, the drill press, the router, um, and, you know, different drill bits for the uh, drill press to cut the big hole. But then all of these little holes where you screw it together are countersunk. And that means you bore in a little bit. And when you're done with it, on the large one, you can't see them because we made wood plugs to tap in there and then sand smooth. So you don't right. see the screw holes either. Hmm. So sometimes you need sighted assistance or you could use IRA or Be My Eyes to get the grain right. So the plug that you put in there might 
match the grain uh, yeah. a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's 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 normal. Like, hey, <laughs> if you're going to wallpaper something, you might want to know what it looks like before you stick it right. on the wall, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For the aesthetic purposes, you might need that's some right. help. Uh, so. I mean, you're talking through a lot of the process already, Jeff, but I'm curious where it starts. Where does it, like when you're thinking, not just for the wood shop, but for this project specifically, uh, if you were teaching your students, where does it begin? That's great because that's the part of bringing the thought bubble down into reality, into mm -hmm. their hands. Uh, sometimes you're dealing with spatial recognition. So if you relate it to an apartment building, three layers, or a guitar neck. They might, you know, so we'll just name these pieces, change the name of them. This is apartment level one, two, and three. And bing, all of a sudden they got the idea. Um, so you have to find ways to work with some students. Other students catch on right away. But when I think about those three pieces, I put those three pieces in a row in a sense. Now I need this much wood to do that. Right. And the hole from the center becomes the spinning trough where they can get the candy out of. So that works out pretty good. So it's not much of a project cost-wise for any school or someone who wants to do this because you just get uh, probably about three inches wide by about 12 inches of wood and you can make this project and then a mason jar. So being practical cost-wise that way allows you to make stuff like this. But when you get into small pieces, I like using large pieces, cut a small piece off of it. So, right. yep. you know, working at my shop when I make, I made probably 200 of these small ones and 100 of the big ones. When I do them in batches, I buy longer stock. But breaking it down into what processes, what tools, and that's what I had to do. I had to write all this up so I knew what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And by the fifth student, I knew what I was doing. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and for them too, like what a way, because as you said, everyone's going to be a different angle of learning, but it also helps you with, how am I going to set up my shop? What do I want in my shop? Because of the kinds of work needed to be done. Um, is that really where you say to yourself as I work on this, these are the tools, this is the equipment I want in here. This is the way I want it laid out because how much of that came to you with this project? All of it, all of it. It was like, I wanted to make these because I thought they were a good thing that I could give away for silent auctions. Um, the AMI Christmas party. Mm -hmm. uh, stuff, well, stuff I, I didn't like get one. I haven't gotten mine from last year, by the way. I was going to say, I don't know what happened. You should have got a, did a Kelly and Rummy candy maker. It was the pandemic. <laughs> the there, yeah, oh, built-in excuse. Oh, oh, it got right. lost. Oh, where'd it end up? Out there with Stephen Scott and those guys are somewhere out in the UK? Come on. Where's mine? Somewhere out there. <laughs> but you, you can you can make a lot of the. If you're going to make one, you might as well make 40. That was my idea. Yeah. And then yeah. I just got buckets of these pieces. What's nice about them, even on this large one that I made a while back, and I have it in my hand here, and it... it, it this piece here fits with this piece, but they're different wood species. And this is, you know, different. So it's like when they started making the Ford truck. Not that I was around to remember it. Maybe you were, Kelly, but <laughs> automation. <laughs> making all Henry, the, I'm kidding. Henry making and I were buddies. 
<laughs> but making the parts so you can do, you don't have to keep this project one, project two. Right. You could sw swap them all out and go go to town, and uh, then you'd get into your assembly. Plus, at the end of it, with tongue oil, you put on here, you put it on, you wipe it off, put it on, wipe it off, wax on, wax off, and then yep. you wax it up, and you got a nice little project, you know? And it's something that this project I thought was really good because when Ramia found out it was a candy dispenser, she was like, Whoa! <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like that. Well, she was she, she was after the she was after the big one, but it only lasts her yeah. four or five days. She needs something bigger. And truly, truly, um, <laughs> you can do like different levels, you know, of this course because you're just building bigger and bigger candy dispensers. But hey, Jeff, like, what does this involve? You mentioned the tools. Um, you mentioned some of these processes with the wood. What, can you just walk through all the different steps that it takes to create this uh, candy dispenser? Yes. I take a board with a student or myself, and I, I cut. First of all, I want to shove a long piece of wood, like an eight-foot piece of wood through the table saw. When I got mm -hmm. that, now I have the width done. Now I want to cut the lengths of them, so I take that long board over to the miter saw, and I'll set up a stop. I'll use my click ruler, which is always handy, and I will set it up and cut one and then put a block there and I'll just keep on cutting those pieces out. And they just go in a box basically. And when I'm done with that, then I go over to the drill press and drill through the top one. So if I'm making 30 of them, I'll have, or 10 of them, I'll have 30 pieces. So 10 pieces go to the drill press to get the hole. The middle piece is off-centered with the circle and 10 will get that cut. And then the, middle part where it spins will get a one hole where a pin will go in so that the circle that came out of the top now gets routed out. Well, I use my drill press, but I bore out a trough in there and that drops onto the pin. The off-centered piece goes on, then the top goes on, it all gets glued together. And after it's glued and clamped and dried for about a couple of days, and then I come back and router all four edges, flip it over, do it again, and then you can take a glue gun and put in the, the lid. I usually screw, put the whole jar in there so it faces the right way if it's not perfectly round. Some of them are kind of like squarish and center it, then glue it in and basically you're done after you put your finish on. So mm. it, it, it's an easy process, but it, it, you know, it has to be done in order. You don't want to cut your lengths and then realize mm -hmm. you're going to send a four inch piece through the table saw. So. Right on. The process yeah. is the way to go. And, you know, I like setting up at one machine, getting everything done, pushing that machine off to the side. My shop is set up on wheels, basically. And then oh, smart. going over to the drill press, going over to the router. That's what I'm going to do during that session. Instead of, I don't make one, get done, then go back and start. It's just like Santa Claus workshop. They're the guts. That's, to that's out. the thing. It makes sense and get knock off all the work on, in certain areas and move on to yeah. the next. Jeff, as usual, fantastic lessons here. Uh, appreciate it. We'll talk to you next month. Thanks, both of you. Great show. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Jeff Thompson talking to us about how a candy dispenser built his shop. And next time when he's here, we'll talk about some projects that will help beginners start their woodworking journey.
As we wrap up the month, we'd like to review the book that we've been reading throughout the month. And for February, it's I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy, recommended by Nisreen Abdel-Majid. We're going to bring her on and discuss this book. We'll be right back. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Welcome back. Tuesday afternoon here on Kelly and Rumia. And as it's the last Tuesday of February, just four weeks of this month, can't believe it, it flew by, we get into the Kelly and Rumia Book Club. This is our chance and yours, if you read along with us, to get into the books and authors and narrators that we love or don't really love or didn't really appreciate this time around. This month, the book for reviewing is I'm Glad My Mom Died. It's written by Jeanette McCurdy, and it's recommended to us by Nisreen Abdel-Majid, who is going to be joining us here. And Jeanette, for some background, is uh, the co-star of iCarly. She played Sam. She was also in Sam and Cat. So if you grew up with those TV shows, you may or may not remember. And a short-time country artist. And a short-time country artist, as we learned in this memoir, because I'd never heard of that before this. But let's welcome in Nisreen. Nis, thank you so much for recommending this book, reading it with us, and now discussing it. So excited to be here, loving the setup. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, Nis, why did you pick this book? Um, What made you want to listen to it? I mean, you know that I'm not a big fan of celebrity memoirs in general. I was just never interested in hearing about their personal lives or whatever. But I heard so much hype about this book uh, all over social media. I heard rumors about it, you know, saying that there's just so much darkness and uh, so much about Nickelodeon. And I, 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 the big reason why I chose this book is because I was a Nickelodeon fan. I mean, mm. I mean, I was always a Disney and Nickelodeon fan when I was growing up. Um, so iCarly was. Uh, a big show that I watched growing up. And not only that, but also Sam and Kat when she got her own show. So after learning so much about in-depth situations there, so I, it's just, it was, uh, yeah. it was a lot to take in, as you yeah. know. It's hard. I think it's hard reading something like this uh, because we know the kind of memoir it was going to be. It was going to be deep and dark, like you said. It's hard to open ourselves up to this side of the story because we just know Sam, right? As Sam. Yeah. And uh, uh, it, was a lot, it was a lot more than that. Okay, did you have any presumptions about whether you would enjoy the book or not? I honestly didn't think I would enjoy it. Um, like I said, I was like, oh, celebrity memoir, don't know, not interested. But because I heard so much hype, I was like, okay, let me try it out. Okay, And I have to say, it was... It was one of the best books I've ever listened to. And it's not only that, but just kind of going in detail and depth of what she was experiencing. And it wasn't just Sam Puckett on Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. It was so much more. And not, not only the show producers and her life as a TV artist or a country singer or whatever it may be, even a dancer. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, she dances too now. Yes. So, so not only about that big star up there, but it's also about her family as well and how that impacted her life and will still to this day will impact her life 
and in the future will impact her life. And I feel like she's been traumatized growing up. So um, oh, yeah, I understand. It's, it's a lot to take in. And I have to say that her narration, like was so perfect. I so wanna perfect. I'm not, yeah. ask you both about that, actually. I mean, I've been describing, oh, raise your hand if you've heard this already, but I've been describing Jeanette's writing style as ripping a Band-Aid. Like it was so harsh, it was clipped, it was honest, it was brutal. Kelly, I wanna get your thoughts on the writing style before we get into the narration. Well, I don't fully agree with you. I felt it was very honest. Mm -hmm. and, and unfortunately, I wish I could say stuff that I had not heard before. But what I found amazing was the confirmation of things that I have heard for years. With any child stars, you start hearing all that stuff. People like, the, Ooh, what, what was it like? What was behind the scene? What did they go mm -hmm. through? Because everybody thinks, and even, you know, oh my gosh, what a great life. They started out early doing this stuff. But then it reminds me of... Um, young kids who are trying out sports, who excel, and some excel more, and they have that parent that screams at the umpire and yeah. says, you know, anything that they think the, the umpire is doing wrong to their kid or pushes their kid too hard. Well, you don't need to eat that much. Remember, you're training. Hey, go out for your run or what? All these things. So you, you draw this conclusion, and I'm sure you can, with many facets of work, future for people, but when you hear this stuff that's behind the scenes by mega, con uh, you know, production companies that don't want any negative stuff going out, but all the stuff that goes on, you got all these adults, all these people, kids left to do whatever, and recently I'd heard the comment made that they shouldn't use children, young child stars, yeah. or create child stars because of stuff like what Jeanette revealed to us in this story. Sure, we've all heard of bulimia, and we know that many actors out there have gone through bulimia, anorexia, uh, singers, and so on. So, like you say, it's brutal. I think it could have been even more brutal um, mm -hmm. uh, and open it up. But I found what I love the most is we hear the story. We get through most of the book a lot of those little behind-the-scenes things you want to know. Her career, if you're interested in who she is, what she is. Then comes the area where that Band-Aid does come off, where you start hearing her frustration, her anger. Sure, you got it early in the book as she's trying to please her mom, spoiler folks. But yeah. as you get into the book, you start hearing the PO'd Jeanette McCarthy as she starts realizing, even as she's trying to keep the wonderful relationship that she that her mother felt they had, that her mother wanted. But you saw this not only a performer on her shows, but having to perform for her mom, her different family, because it's what she mm. was built to do. Mm -hmm. Serve others. Mm -hmm. Everyone entertain everyone else. Um, so I she didn't really know felt... anything before that. No, she didn't, she didn't know what it was like knew. to not please people. Uh -uh. Right. That's all she knew. Or to be a certain way and sacrifice. Mm -hmm. If you're going to do this, what do you mean thinking of going for ice cream? You have to be at dance. You have to be doing this. You have mm -hmm. to be learning your lines. There's no need to, for, for Grandpa to take you out for ice cream. What are you doing, Dad? Right, and that was interesting because we learned about the role that Jeanette's father played throughout her childhood, throughout her adolescence, and then later on as well, uh, you know, shocking discoveries around the biology uh, for mm. their family, right? The biological yeah. discoveries. But Niz, were there but moments... everyone was weak. Yes. Like, I... like they all come are portrayed very weak compared to the amazingly dominant... Mother, sorry, Of go ahead. course, and her mother, right? I mean, we could get, in, get into That's so right. much, but Nis, I want to let you have an opportunity to talk about moments for you in this book. Were there particular moments that you felt uh, 
really sunk into Jeanette's experience and her realizations of her relationship and abuse from her mother. One moment that I really want to highlight is when she was talking to the therapist and suggested, the therapist suggested that her mom may have, in fact, abused her uh, growing up. And that kind of struck her. And that's why, that's when I felt like she was silenced a bit. She's like, it was, she was in denial. And she's like, how could you even say that? And then she comes to realize that, yeah, it actually is true. And how dare she? Because she grew up at six years old going into the acting um, industry, just kind of going with whatever her mom says, whatever she says she will follow. She looked up uh, to her mom like she was, you know, she put her on a pedestal and she was saying at the end of the book, like that, that shouldn't have happened. She realized at the end of the book that she... Th that could have never, like, it, it could have been missed. But at the same time, when you're that young, how are you supposed to know what's right and wrong mm -hmm. when there's no one there for you except your mom? And she was right. the manipulative one, the abusive one, the the one who was gaslighting. She was she was abused in so many different ways, calling her names whenever she would eat a bite of something, teaching her bulimia when she was 11 years old. So when it comes to that moment where she finally took a step forward and said, I'm going to see a therapist, and then the therapist suggested, okay, that is probably the foundation of how yeah. your life turned out to be. I and she was in absolute the bulimia Because yeah. really, mom taught her to do something harmful to the herself. anorexia yes yeah to me it's yeah. like teaching someone to take drugs yeah exactly there exactly. were moments and it was really interesting that it was kind of put this way because as she was growing up we could see the abuse right like as the reader we know what's going on we know that her mom's character is uh quite abusive i don't think that we were kind of like left in the shadows about that but you're right that moment when the therapist suggested that to jeanette herself jeanette was like what like she was absolutely thrown uh that this could be her or could have been her reality it was just way too much for, to digest which then spun into all the spiraling that came afterwards you know at this point her mom's gone she's dead and um the second part of her life began which was also tremendously difficult but for me the moment was when she moved out on her own quote unquote mm -hmm. uh and yes. was going to have her first apartment and then her mom kind of weaseled her way in she's been living there for a month finally Jeanette says you know I'm going to be spending the night out uh she makes some excuses and goes out and her mother just rips her apart you know this this yeah. moment was so significant for me because before that i think her mom pretty much had it together right like at least in in the reader's perspective there was not not very many moments when her mom lost it completely and in this moment she did you know it was really that's when it kind of felt like a slap in the face for me that oh my goodness uh wow wow interesting yeah. because at the beginning of the book we see her mother go after dad for coming yes. in late Yes. Okay. But not we get Jeanette. that idea. No. But what we do get is, and I have, I wonder how many people, like I said, about people who've been pushed to, you know, make your sacrifices for your goals. You have to make them. And you're at first, the way it's, it's depicted, 
that's what a person's doing. Watch what you eat. We want, you're in this industry. And there's a lot of that where I think of many people who related to that before they had the self-discovery. Hey, man, this person has my best interest, has their own best interest, mm -hmm. and it's hurting me, whatever. I, I bet a lot of people for the longest time until she went, for example, on the road to do the, the singing, the music, the country performances, when she said, I'm enjoying myself. Yeah. I'm eating. I'm, and then came back and punished herself when she got back yeah. into that world. Those, that to me was that time where, hey, it was that sample of this is the world as you can have for you. No, no, can't have that long because there's going to be guilt with that. And speaking of guilt, you know, Nisreen, did you pay any, um, interest to the funeral, her mom's funeral, where she was like, I have to sing, I have to sing. She was putting all this pressure on herself about singing just because her mom had made this death wish before uh, her passing, but she clearly didn't want to do it. Yeah. And I mean, even after her death, she was still pressured and manipulating her in her grave. Mm -hmm. Can you, can you put that together? Yeah, no, uh, but yeah, it's it was it's really scary, and that's why I feel like even uh, to this day, she's still gonna think of her mom regardless, and saying, uh, "How am I still gonna get through it?" And why? I mean, she spent the whole book just explaining, like, "This is this is how I feel." I mean, should I feel this way? I don't know what what does my mom? What would my mom think of uh, of me? What would my mom say if she saw me eating this? What would my mom say if she uh, if I missed a class? So it, she spent her whole life breathing for her mom, mm. literally living yeah. for her mom. Six years old, those formative years, yes. right? When yeah. we learn everything and shape. those impressions stay, they shape you and it is the hardest. It's one thing in your 20s to hang around a bad crowd and get yourself out of that. It's another thing when that's all you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's... You know, all this being said, all the the depth that Jeanette brought to her memoir um, to date, I also think that she did it in such a, I don't know, in a way that felt so um, human, right? Like mm -hmm. she was still funny. She still had great one-liners. I had many moments where I laughed out loud um, because she's such a humorous person. And it really sucks because she talked about how she hates acting. At the end, one of her biggest discoveries is just to say, screw acting, I hate it. I hated it, and I still hate it, and I don't want anything to do with it anymore. Um, wanted to be a writer, right? Yes, and wanted to be a writer. Wanted to be a writer. Exemplary writer, I would say. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, even though she hates acting, we got to see a lot of her through her acting, that humorous, that funny, uh, that yep. thoughtful person. Would you say, Niz? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you get to see... I, and as as I said before, like throughout the whole book, you can see how genuine, real, even her the tone of her voice uh, through the narration, mm -hmm. you felt like she was talking to you. You felt like you, you were listening to her story one on one. And I loved that. I loved that format of her book. So as a writer, I feel like she nailed it. Right. Um, yeah, she she did. She did. She did great. I have to say, um, you and I were on audio, my audiobook review weekly together. This is the first time we've read a book together. I'm so yes. happy. This, you know, this me and Missy are doing it again sometime soon, right? We have to. <laughs> yeah, we have to. Exactly. The next book. Okay, I, because I read a celebrity memoir, I think the next book is gonna be uh, Friends, Lovers, and the oh. Big Terrible Thing by Matthew Perry. Dude, so good. Really? Okay. I don't know if I told you, but I already read it and it's so good. I think you'll enjoy it.
Of course you did. Yes. Of course you did. <laughs> Give me a break. That's right. <laughs> Not my fault. I'm a major fan. Um, awesomeness. Thank you so much for the recommendation. Thank you, guys. Get you later. Nisreen Abdelmajid, she is a technical producer for AMI Audio. She's also on AMI Audiobook Review with myself. And uh, it was quite a roller coaster. Kels, just one last thought from you. Did you have anyone growing up, an actor, a celebrity, some influencer, where when you found out about uh, their background, it kind of put you in this place where Nisreen and I were reading this book? Um. I, I probably have because there's many out there that I've heard these different stories um, and a lot of it was just the tragedy of it all. And I think what the scary thing that you two mentioned w with Jeanette McCarty, the writing's beautiful, the moments that make you laugh out loud, but you also know there's so much pain behind mm. that. And I think when you talk comics and other actors like that, I've seen a lot of that and heard about how wonderful, how much delight these people bring to other people while really struggling as we see that she did and will. Yes, absolutely. There's uh, so much to digest and so many new layers that you had no idea because we, as fans, live in this, you know, that's Sam. And yep. there was a moment in the book where she said, I hate it when people say that. I hate it when people call me Sam. And I was like, oops. But it's true. It's true. You have no clue what people go through. All right, we're going to go uh, hit break now and come back to wrap up the show. And I'll tell you what's on tom not tomorrow, on next month's docket for our book club. We'll also tee up now with Dave Brown. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Welcome back. It's Kelly and Ramia. We're wrapping up the show just about. And I want to tell you about next month's book for discussion. It's called Exhalation Stories. And this is by Ted Chiang, C-H-I-A-N-G. It was released in 2019. Recommended to us by Michael Fair, our weekly audio entertainment and tech contributor. It is available in human narration on Sela, and it's available on Audible. It's a collection of short fiction stories, okay? Nine original stories uh, written by Ted Chang. And they say they're tales that tackle some of humanity's oldest questions, along with new quandaries only Ted can quite imagine. And an example of this, or three examples... In The Merchant of the Alchemist Gate, a portal through time forces a fabric seller in ancient Baghdad to grapple with past mistakes and second chances. In Exhalation, which is another one of the short stories, an alien scientist takes or makes a shocking discovery with ramifications that are literally universal. And in Anxiety is the Dizziness of Freedom, the ability to glimpse into alternate universes necessitates a radically new examination of the concepts of choice and free will. I'm very curious about this collection. So these include stories being published for the first time, as well as some of his new or uh, rare unreleased stories. Uh, so we'll, we'll discuss it with you, myself, Kelly, and Mike on the last Tuesday of March, which also happens to be March 28th. So that's pretty funny. And uh, I'm looking forward to reading it. Now let's reflect on today's show. Go back into some of the conversations we had. Maybe you want to check it out on your favorite podcast platform by searching for Kelly and Ramya. Kelly, what you say? 
We had a really good talk with Sean pertaining his new uh, series on CBC Gem, and we're talking about his life experiences as, as a person with cerebral palsy, but so many of the great things, this fellow who went to broadcast school, who's done some writing, uh, inspired by that, and, and I really love the idea that he went to broadcast school. Where is he now? Uh, season one of a TV series, and they're developing that, and so him and his friends walk us through a lot of what goes on, and some of the things that you can laugh, and we encourage that and smile up, but also learn about. Um, this is on March 24th. You can find it on CBC Gem. Really looking forward to that. Me too, Kels. Also, we talked to woodworker Jeff Thompson, and he broke down the candy dispenser that he made, and it began this whole big uh, concept or conceptualizing and teaching of what tools to have in your wood shop, what the processes are that you need to get familiar with in order to make any project you want. But it started with this project and we were really happy to get kind of a demo with him and dig into that conversation. Now let's look forward to Now with Dave Brown, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, every weekday on AMI-TV with your host, Dave Brown. Paul Daniel is one of the producers, and he's here to give us a bit of a preview of the Wednesday show. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ramya. On tomorrow's show, the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation recently introduced guidelines to incorporate universal design into multi-unit residential homes. Our columnist, Elizabeth Moller, will, will give us some details on the new guidelines and what it might mean for homeowners who have disabilities and, are, and require some type of uh, modification. We also have uh, our columnist Clover Thursday discussing her recent her experience diving into the digital world of graphic no novels. And the Canadian Screen Awards are coming up in, well, coming up in April. Columnist Kevin Shaw will discuss how the relevance of media awards can vary in the modern media landscape. Very good. Yes, lots of Canadian Screen Award conversations. I'm curious about the graphic novels, though, because that's true. And there are a lot of accessible versions of graphic novels coming out of late uh, and people looking for consultation from the community. So exciting stuff. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. That is now with Dave Brown, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-TV. Check them out, and they always have a wonderful two hours for you. On tomorrow's Kelly and Rumia, 2 p.m. Eastern Time is where you can start joining us. We have In the Know with Margaret Weldon, and she's going to discuss an organization that helps Canadians grow in mind, spirit, and body, particularly without having to break your bank accounts for it. That's going to be a fun conversation. Yeah, boy, you talk about something that adds that pressure on your mind is having to break your bank account. But speaking of money, we <laughs> mm -hmm. speak with certified financial planner Ryan Chin on the show tomorrow. We're going to talk about loans. Why do we need loans and what our options are? I know that will spur a real interesting conversation, Ramya, because, of course, that's where you try to decide. Do I? Don't I? Can I get it? Well, what do you mean, no? Yes. It'll be fun. Yeah, and we know that through the pandemic, it's been a very sticky subject with the loans yes. uh -huh, and loan repayment uh, and whether people can afford any of it, you know, any kind of commitment at all, and uh, not to mention loans and mortgages, right? So big loans, small loans, we're going to get into all of it. Thanks, Kels. We'll catch you tomorrow. You betcha. PPM Eastern Time, join us tomorrow for Kelly and Rumia. In the meantime, we appreciate all of your presence and your precious time. Thank you. Have a good Tuesday night. We'll see you tomorrow. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Juita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.